0: I remember the classic story of poor Jack who was out jogging. As he passed the cliff, he got a little too close to the edge and suddenly found himself falling. On the way down, he managed to grab a branch, nearly yanking out of the cliff. When he caught his breath, he realized what a terrible jam he was in. He couldn't get up and letting go certainly seemed to be a poor option. And so he began to scream, Hello up there, can anyone hear me? In a moment, a voice returned and said, Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you alright? Yes. But who are you? And where are you? I am the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? That's me. God, help me. I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll stop sinning. I'll be ready I'll be a really good person and serve you for the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. First, let's get you down. Then we can discuss those. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do, okay? Okay, Jack. Let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me. Let go. There was a long pause as Jack thought of the offer. And in a moment, however, Jack let out a loud yell and said, Hello? Hello? Is there anyone else up there? Talk about trusting God. We often say we do and we attest that we do. Yet, when we look closely, do our actions actually vividly and notably display that we truly trust and depend upon God? You see, faith as we know it is mainly a matter of the heart, something that is internal in nature, yet the Bible also tells us that faith without works is dead. In other words, faith must be manifested externally. While outward actions do not necessarily reflect one's inner faith, whether it is genuine or false or superficial or just for show, yet we acknowledge that one who takes his or her faith seriously will reinforce it with his or her actions. And it is through these actions that one's faith becomes evident and it further becomes solidified with the degree of our trust and belief in God. What are some manifestations of an active faith? In what ways can we exhibit faith in such a way that our trust in God is undeniable? What are some hindrances in cultivating an active trust in God? What does an active faith bring about anyway that makes it significant for us to exemplify and reinforce our trust in God? Let's see that as we look into our passage for our time together in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Verse 1 to 2 begins this, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately... Many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. By way of background and context, Jesus had just been from Galilee, where he preached and performed miracles. Hence, because of that ministry, he became known and people sought after him wherever he went. Well, Jesus managed to get back to Capernaum after some time and found a place to stay many suppose this was peter's house or could be somebody else's but whatever the case it is not his well jesus was trying to remain low-key but apparently people got the news and so in no time we see that the house was packed the doors were blocked and was overflowing with people undoubtedly people came that day wanting to see jesus do more miracles and healings but we see here there was no healing happening nor any miracle work being performed at that moment. Jesus didn't want them to miss Him out as some miracle worker or faith healer personality. Jesus was making sure that He remained focused on His purpose and His mission, and that is to instill faith and lead people back to God. And so Jesus' main agenda for the day to whoever shows up was simply to preach the Word. He was keeping the main thing, the main thing. See, when we seek to cultivate an active faith, to have a solid foundation in our trust in God, it is crucial that we keep to mind and to heart that the basis of that active faith must be on the Word of God. The basis of an active faith must be on the Word of God. You see, today many believers tend to lose focus and their emphasis on God's Word, often resorting to seek God outside of the Scriptures Some through experiences or certain practices, not realizing that such an approach to cultivating faith can be dangerous or even very unreliable to say the least. Because no matter how sincere or devoted you are to what you believe in, if it's not rooted in the right foundation, if it's not anchored on the truth, it will surely end up with a faith that is not secured or even confused. You see, if you are to place your trust in something or someone, you want to make sure it is consistent, that it is stable, that it is reliable. You want it to be true all the time. Because you understand that it is for sure going to be a major make or break in how you make decisions, in your choices, and then in the direction that it will lead you to. It is interesting, back in the 1980s of a television program where Blind skiers were being trained to ski on a zigzag course, impossible as it may sound. What happens there is that they were paired with sighted skiers and the blind skiers were taught to make right and left turns. Once they have mastered that, they were taken to a zigzag slope or a course where their sighted partners skied beside them, shouting left and right. And as they obeyed the commands, they were able to navigate the course. And the goal, of course, is to cross the finish line. But that crossing of the finish line depended solely on the sighted skier's word. It can either make them or break them if they will be completely trusted or they will end up in catastrophe. Isn't that a vivid picture of the Christian life? In this world, in reality, we are also are blinded in the course that we are to take. That is why it is important that we need the Word of God who is truly cited, to guide us throughout the course. And it is His Word that will give us the direction that we need so that we can be directed rightfully following His direction. See, when we seek to grow in the Word of God, when we seek to be more knowledgeable or to be better equipped to know more about it, it is not for us to be able to have a better checklist of things to do. Rather, the main objective of knowing the Word of God is for us to know better the God of the Word. As someone have said, the more that we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust Him. The greater our progress in our theology, in our understanding of who God is, the simpler and more childlike will be our faith. Therefore, it is very essential that we keep a good spiritual appetite centered upon the word of God and as the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing learning growing in the word of God now moving on with our narrative Jesus was speaking and everybody intent in listening this happened next verses three to five then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Well, seemingly out of nowhere, there arrived into the scene, four men carrying a paralyzed friend on a stretcher wanting to join the gathering. While I imagine the scenario, I wonder, where did these guys come from? how far have they traveled did they use some kind of cart or wagon or did they actually manually travel, carrying this paralytic friend by foot all the way what was the size of the paralytic guy upon their arrival they must have hoped that they can get a nice front row seat or easily see jesus but they didn't get a warm welcome but despite of that what was striking to see is that they were so determined in what they were doing. They did not let any difficulty, discouragement, or discomfort hold them back. In their thoughts, probably they were thinking, if there's a will, there is a way. And this time it's going to be from the roof. And we're gonna go directly down to Jesus, talking about thinking out of the box. See, come to think of it, did they thought about the hassle this will entail? Or the amount of work necessary to compensate the owner? How about the cost to fix the damages? And take note, there was no guarantee in whatever expectation they had in what they were doing. Remember, Jesus wasn't necessarily healing or doing any miracle work at that very moment. Yet they took all the risk and pushed through as they have planned. Well, in verse 5, we were told it was inevitable that Jesus himself witnessed all of this and Jesus saw their faith. Undeniably, their motivation was an outflow of their faith. Jesus acknowledged that what they did was an outflow of their deep trust in him for them to go such lengths. They were so unstoppable to do the unconventional so they can accomplish the unusual. It was evident how important to them to see and get up close and personal with Jesus. And because they cared enough for their friend who is in need of Jesus, that they need to carry Him through to Him. You see, from the example of these guys, I think we can glean two lessons on how we can also demonstrate an active faith such as theirs. The first is that an active faith takes initiative to draw closer to God. An active faith takes initiative to draw closer to God. You know, when we strongly believe that something is of great importance, knowing that it will meet a significant need in our life or it will benefit us in a great way, it leads us to give or exert our best efforts, even going out of our way to accomplish these things. You don't let anything get in the way, no matter how difficult they may be. It will be worth your while believing that ultimately it will bring about something good. For instance... Since your health is important, if you have a health condition, you know that a doctor or a hospital is the place to go to. Believing that they have the expertise, the capacity to treat you. You trust that they will be able to manage your situation. And having them involved will be beneficial. It will bring about good in you. And because of that, you would go to great lengths. You would make the effort to go there, to see them regardless of traffic or the hassle of parking or even waiting in line, even incurring the cost that it will entail. Or another example could be pursuing your favorite sport or any passion. It is important to you, so you want to be better at it. And for you to improve, you realize you need to practice, to get experience, to learn from experts, because you believe that these things will eventually produce the degree or the skill level you want to achieve. And so you would again go to great lengths. You would invest of your time, your energy, your resources because you believe that it will be worth your while, that you see that eventually it will bring about benefits and it will be, bring about something good in you. And I think you see my point in that. See, the same is true in our Christian life, isn't it? We believe it is important have a close and intimate walk with God we believe that we need him that we want to trust him fully however we know also the reality that there may be distractions there may be hindrances that will interfere us it could be our everyday grind it could be our circumstances it could be the habits that we need to improve but the sad part is that many simply let the obstacles get in the way most people don't really put in the effort to overcome those struggles We aren't very intentional to get God involved in life's agendas. We simply move along and God simply comes alongside. When we make the effort to draw close to God and we keep a vibrant and growing relationship with Him, to know Him more, to seek His leading more intentionally, That is what demonstrates how much we sincerely trust Him. That is what reflects that we acknowledge our need of Him to really play a big part and be actively involved in all of our life because we understand that apart from Him, we cannot pursue life well. If you would be asked, how important is God to you? How much of your life do you involve God as you seriously acknowledge your need of Him? Do you truly trust God enough that you would do whatever it takes to also draw close to Him? Because you know that entrusting Him, whatever situation, will always be the best solution. Another way that we see active faith demonstrated from these guys is that it seeks to influence others to be led to Christ. An active faith seeks to influence others to be led to Christ. See, just like those four friends, it wasn't enough for them that they only knew Jesus. More than themselves, they see the need of their friend and they were convinced that they had to carry him, they had to lead him to meet Christ as well. See, it is a reality that it isn't always easy and at times can be discouraging and disappointing to lead and care for someone spiritually. That's why for many, we either miss out or we opt out in this aspect. We fail to realize it is a privilege to be chosen by God. It is a high calling that he desires us to accomplish for him. I heard of this story about a guy who applied for a job to be an usher at a theater mall. As part of the interview process, the manager asked him, what would you do in case a fire breaks out? The young guy answered, don't worry about me. I can get out just fine. Sadly, that is exactly how many in today's world respond to a lost and dying world around them. If you ask, what would you do if Jesus comes back tomorrow? They would probably respond, oh, don't worry about me. I would be just fine. What is all too easy to forget is that you are God's ushers. It isn't enough that you just get yourself out. You and I are responsible to also help others know the way. You see, when you and I take to heart that being involved in a person's spiritual journey is an eternal cause, that it is no small deal because every person needs God and they matter to God, then we can see that each life counts and is worth the sacrifice and the effort so that they can be led to know Christ. When you and I come to grips to know God's heart more and more, it is not hard to recognize that God's heartbeat is for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And for them to also be able to live out life in lockstep with Him. You see, if you and I are truly convinced that to know Christ is the true source of joy, that He is the only hope for eternity, that if we fully embrace and accept this truth, that there is no other option out there, then it must be our natural response that we would also desire others to be led to know and experience the very same truth, that you and I have become beneficiaries and recipients of this grace. When you look into your life, do you see people's spiritual brokenness with love? Do you also seek to meet their need of God? Have you allowed your faith to have such an overflow in the life of others? Looking into your spheres of influence, your co-workers, your friends maybe even your family and your relatives who may not know christ yet are they aware that it is in jesus that you have placed your full trust how could you actually introduce christ to them if you look closely how involved are you in another's spiritual growth are you actively seeking to pave the way so that you can lead and carry them and draw them closer to god Among your circles of friends or or believers that are maybe still young in the faith, how many of them may need to be discipled and be guided so that they can mature? How are you exerting your influence on them? Maybe even our parents at home, does their children recognize their active faith? That they can vividly see an example of what it means to live a life of trusting God. Not just a mere lip service, and to get by a Sunday agenda. Before moving on at this point, it seems obvious that the hope was to see the paralytic walk. But here what we see happening is Jesus granting him forgiveness. Well, on a side note here, illnesses are present all around us because we live in a sinful and broken world. Yet not all illnesses are always associated or related or due to some sin in one's life. Well, back in those days, it was common for sicknesses to be attached to some sin, whether it be through their parents or maybe some of their past sins. But in this case, we couldn't really be certain of what was behind the condition of this paralytic guy as there was really no explicit mention. But the significant thing that we can see was that Jesus went straight and dealt with the heart of the issue. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, it was an, an acknowledgement of his faith that he is now made right with God. I remember Andy Stanley once said, good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. So when you think about it, what Jesus addressed or quote-unquote cured at this very moment was actually way, way better than getting him to walk Physically. Because from that moment on, he was guaranteed and affirmed and assured that he will be walking with God to eternity. See, more than physical needs, God understands and knows very well that what is most important is to meet man's spiritual needs above all. Because at the end of the day, in the grander scheme of things, it is the spiritual matters that will last. In the same way, when we cultivate an active faith, as we eagerly seek to live a life trusting God, understand that God's main agenda is always to deal with our spiritual needs first. That as we mature and learn to trust Him more and more, His desire is that we look through life with spiritual lenses and pursue more the eternal, more than the physical or the temporal. Moving on with our story, apparently not only common people were present in that gathering. Some people or some special guests also showed up that day. They also were interested with what Jesus had to say. And so verses 6 and 7 tells us, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, it's interesting how the Bible portrayed these scribes. Imagine, all the commotion was happening, the roof being torn open, debris and dirt falling all over the place, and then a paralytic being brought down. We were told, these religious leaders just remained seated. We weren't told how many of them were there, but for sure there was more than one. They didn't seem to bother to participate and didn't felt the need to actually be involved in that situation. And of all the possible reactions or responses, we were told that the only thing that they did was that they were reasoning in their hearts, seemingly all of them in one accord, altogether triggered with what Jesus had said, thinking of the same thing. You see, in a way, they were right. Claiming something only God can do is blasphemy. However, What they clearly missed out altogether was that they were accusing the wrong person. See, part of Jesus' intention of granting forgiveness in this segment was to establish. He was revealing more of who He really is. He wanted to display His authority being God Himself, not just a mere miracle worker or faith healer. In any case, the scribes completely missed out what Jesus was revealing because of their skeptical hearts. It seems that they tried their best not to be very obvious about it, but it turns out that Jesus knew very well what was running in their minds. And here's how Jesus responded to them in verses 8 and 9. But immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise take up your bed and walk. Now here, Jesus confronts the scribes, letting them know that He knew exactly what they were thinking all along. And He continued by asking a profound question to address their cynical thoughts. See, what made reasoning in the hearts of these scribes so serious was because they were not just having some plain doubt. Rather, they were actually harboring a critical spirit toward Jesus what runs deeper in their thoughts was intrinsically saying, come on, anyone can say you have forgiven someone because you cannot really prove it. It is not something that you can tangibly or visibly verify. Bottom line is they were having trust issues. They didn't want to believe what Jesus said. In line with this, we can know two heart conditions that we should caution ourselves from as well as they can be hindrances in cultivating an active faith. The first hindrance to cultivating an active faith is that of a passive attitude. The first hindrance to cultivating an active faith is that of a passive attitude. As someone once said, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. You know, one thing we need to guard our hearts is to not let spiritual passivity creep in. Others call it being spiritually lukewarm, or simply put it, being spiritually lazy. This is the attitude that has little or no interest to be spiritually involved, nor to make any effort to improve. There is no inclination to invest oneself spiritually, thereby becoming unreceptive of spiritual matters. At other times, to other people, because of over-familiarity with spiritual things, many simply go through the motions of spiritual activity. Unfortunately, I often encounter this sad reality as I meet much of our high school students in the school, wherein many have been so saturated, they have become so numbed, they no longer see the relevance of what it means to live their spiritual life to others even with all the conveniences and opportunities that are made available to further and spur up their spiritual growth, the choice is still to remain in status quo. Somehow matters of faith are not as important and there is no sense of urgency to take it seriously. I've heard of this interesting story when one day Satan gathered his assistants to discuss the most effective method of diminishing people's faith and spiritual fervor. One suggested, tell them there's no God. Another said, tell them there's no consequences to their actions. A third proposed, tell them they have strayed so far from the right path, they will never be able to change. Satan replied, no, such things will not matter to them. I think we should simply tell them there is plenty of time. That is often the lie that the enemy uses to pervade to convince our minds and can lead us to cultivating a passive attitude. My friends, be watchful, be mindful, caution and guard your heart against such attitude. Let it not creep in, otherwise it strays you away from spiritual things. The second thing or the next hindrance to cultivating an active faith is having a critical spirit. The second hindrance to cultivating an active faith is having a critical spirit. We saw how the scribes were very negative and their presence brought about a very off-putting motive because of their hardened hearts. Because of that, they became so close with their ways and their expectations that they clearly missed out on the person and the purpose of Jesus, of what He was revealing about Himself and about what He can You know, harboring a critical spirit often clouds our judgment and perspective. This leads us to diminish our confidence and trust. And because of it, we set our expectations in our own ways. It takes away from us the ability to see things with a positive outlook. And because of it, we miss out on God's activity. A very classic example of that are the Israelites. As God had delivered them from Egypt and were on their way to the promised land, we see countless times they have grumbled and they have complained. And with that attitude that they exemplified, they failed to recognize God's leading. They did not anymore appreciate God's grace and blessings to them. This inevitably showed that they weren't trusting God anymore in their midst. Rather, they simply wanted what they wanted. Roy Funu once said, faith looks ahead with courage while unbelief looks back with complaint. You know, in the same way, if we are not sensitive to check our hearts, we can also be prone to manifest such an attitude in how we relate to God. Often because of our misconception of God's character or our misunderstanding of His will, especially when we are not very happy or we disagree with what God is doing or allowing to take place in our life. Often because we are not very happy or what is happening is far from our expectation or different from what we think He should be doing. There was a man who was caught in a flood sitting on the roof of his house and praying and trusting the Lord. After a while, a rowing boat came by and its owner offered him a lift. The man said, No thanks, I am trusting God. Next, a helicopter came and he gave the same reply. No thanks, I am trusting God. Eventually, the man drowned. Then he stood before the Lord and he grumbled and asked God, saying, Lord, why didn't you save me? I trusted you. The Lord said, I sent you a boat and then I sent you a helicopter. What more did you want? You see, a critical spirit pulls down our spiritual fervor. It will cause us to fail to realize things from God's perspective and focus rather on our preference. As a result, we miss out God's activity. We miss out His purposes in our grumbling and thereby dampening our trust and full confidence in Him. Now, before we move forward, going back to Jesus' proposition to the scribes, whether it was easier to forgive sins or to make the paralyzed man walk, when you think about it, both were not really easy in any way, because both were only, can only be accomplished by God. But to understand Jesus' argument in response to their critical or skeptical thoughts, what Jesus, in essence, was saying is, how about this? If I can make possible the seemingly more difficult task of making the paralytic walk, then that would prove, that would validate the quote-unquote easier task, as you have been saying, of forgiving sins. That inevitably fulfilled it and accomplished it as well. And this is how Jesus continued and how the story concluded. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went into the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Finally, Jesus silences the scribes and addresses their cynicism. He did what everyone was probably have been waiting for all along. But more importantly, what Jesus was able to accomplish was that he was able to prove his claim. He was able to validate his authority, his power. That we see immediately upon Jesus' command, the disabled guy was able to stand up, he got his stretcher, and walked home. What was most noteworthy that have happened here was that because of this man's faith in Jesus, we see how his life experienced a complete and permanent change. Now, I believe the same is true with those four guys. As they have met, witnessed, and encountered Jesus, their life after that for sure have been so dramatically changed as well. Everything began because of their faith. And as this incident comes to a close, it's incredible seeing the reaction of the crowds. These people were amazed and stunned with what happened in this paralytic's life. It was unquestionable that it was God's work. And hence they glorified God. Of all the commotion, credit was given to whom credit was due. From this final section, we see that keeping up our fervor to live out an active faith, when we course through life with a firm trust in God, it will for sure never be in vain. Because when we live out an active faith, we can experience living out a changed life with God's enablement. The result of an active faith is that it produces a changed life. The result of an active faith is that it produces a changed life. As we mature and learn to trust God more, as we become more dependent upon Him in every way, the more that we actively and constantly seek to involve God in and through our life, then it follows that we are able to recognize His work, becoming even more evident time and time again. As a young man preparing to go to China... Hudson Taylor determined to learn to live by faith alone while he was still in England. His resolve was to learn before leaving England to move man through God by prayer alone. Before embarking to be a missionary, he worked for a doctor and was paid quarterly. When the time drew near to receive his salary, Taylor was disturbed that his employer said nothing about it. Taylor had one last piece of coin, but he determined not to break his resolution and ask for his salary. Apparently on the Lord's Day, he visited a needy home and Taylor felt led by God to give his last coin even to the needy family. Well, the next day he received an anonymous gift through the mail, four times what he had given to the poor. Still days went by and the following Saturday, the doctor finished up his work and said, Taylor, is not your salary due again? Taylor told him it was and became disappointed when he learned that the doctor had forgotten about the salary due and sent all his funds to the bank. Well, he prayed about the matter for he had bills to pay of his own and he left the matter to God. That evening, the doctor visited him and said that one of his richest patients had come over to pay his bill, and so he went ahead to give the money to Taylor, who rejoiced very much. He had learned that he could trust God, and therefore he was now ready to go to China as a missionary. You see, when we commit to place our complete trust in God, we become sensitive in what He desires to accomplish, in what He allows in our life. We learn to live by faith and we direct our lives in full confidence to His character according to His leading. As Ben Patterson said, a strong faith believes that God wills only what is best for us, that He knows what is best for us, and that He is able to do what is best for us. I love that. See, when a life has been changed by God, ultimately, it isn't just your story to tell. It is to be a display of God's story in your life. That because of your unwavering faith, because of your firm confidence in God, it is unquestionable that your life will point people to acknowledge God because it speaks of His grace and His power that it has changed your life. And for that, it will ascribe to God the honor and the glory that He alone deserves. How about you? How is your faith impacting other people? Does it draw them towards or away from God? Do they glorify or grumble to God when they see and know of your life? Is our life being changed day by day in such a way that transformation is so visibly evident because of our faith in God and in our actions speak so loudly of that trust and obedience to Him? Brothers and sisters, in the Christian life, our faith is the very vehicle that moves us and allows us to mature, to thrive, to recognize more in our spiritual journey. As faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. My friends, let God's Word be the main source that will fuel and direct your faith walk with God. Grow and nurture your trust in Him on the basis of of knowing more of His character and His will. Because more than what we believe, it is who we believe that will make the difference in our faith walk. My friends, seek to keep an active faith. Do whatever it takes to seek God. Involve Him in all of your life because it is a demonstration that we acknowledge our dire need of Him. And it is in trusting Him that we are anchoring our life. Take to heart that your active faith can also be well expressed when we do not keep it just to ourselves. Seek to lead others to Christ because you realize that ultimately it is Jesus that can meet our greatest and eternal need. My friends, constantly keep your heart in check from the lies of the enemy because it seeks to let your faith go into status quo. Convincing that you building your confidence in God isn't that great of a significance and you can live life apart from Him. Brothers and sisters, having placed one's faith and trust in Jesus, we who have been saved by grace through faith, being the very recipients of His gift of forgiveness and salvation that has made us right with God, my prayer is that may the beauty and the depth of this truth never grow old nor cold in you and may its significance be kept anew each and every day if you and i can trust god for eternity how much more in our life here on earth that we will be guided by him and knowing that living life with him is the best life that we can live in preparation of that eternity that we look forward to and may it be that as you and i continue to know him to trust his heart those around us would witness and be amazed as well with such faith that changes us day by day and leads them to the glory and honor of God as well. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Therefore, the just shall live by faith. Shall we pray? Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank You, to You, O Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank You, O God, that You have allowed us to live this life not with a blinded faith, but one that is firm, one that is true, one that is good. I pray, O Father, that as we course through life, we will seek You more and more through Your Word, that as we know You more, we grow and nurture that trust even more that whatever situation comes along our life, we will seek You. And as that faith overflows and outflows in this life, we will not be content to just be happy on our own, but rather we want to tell others of that true joy that can be found in Jesus. Guard our hearts, O oh God, from any attacks or any potential tendencies that can stray us and hinder us from building up better our trust in You, to live a life of faith in You. Because we know, O Lord, that apart from You, this life can never be lived in the best that it can be. And I pray, O Father, that as we live life more faithfully to You, You, O God, would enable us to see You more, to be changed, to be faithful even more. And in the end, bring glory and honor to You alone. We thank you, O God, for your word and may you, O God, be increased and your name be glorified above all. This things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.